I think we're talking enough that we should put it in a podcast again. And then you got the camera and here we are. We were some fresh faced boys. Yes. Uh, and you I didn't have the curls. <laughs> on my beard and none of it on my head. It felt like an adventure. You can hear the music playing in my head. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of DX Button. I'm one of your hosts, Alejandro, and with me is the uh, torn from this dimension, Titan. Paul, hey everybody, how's it going? I'm doing good, we're like trying something really stupid right now, but how's life, Paul? <laughs> it's going well, and honestly, I don't care how it reacts, the fact that I don't have to have this light on my poor eyes is mm -hmm. already making this worth it. Oh, yes. So, we're basically also a happy final day of August. By the time this episode goes live, it will be September. Can you believe that? I'm so ready for August to be done. I, I'm just for the weather alone. Um, it just means we're one step closer to possibly getting some cool weather in New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's probably only going to get hotter for you, isn't it? Is that how that works? No. Um, if there's a cold front from the north, that cold front eventually makes its way south. So our, our like cooler weather it's similar it's at a similar time as in north america the okay. only difference is that i don't get snow or i don't get a fall but it's all contingent of those cold fronts around october november and december that's when we get the winds and that's when i love so the it. colder it gets for me the colder it'll get for you basically. exactly yes <laughs> all right i'll try not to take all the cold for myself oh yeah especially with your six five voluminous self but, I, yeah. <laughs> I they just stick me up into the stratosphere and I block most of it for the southern hemisphere. I'm basically <laughs> why climate change is happening. Oh yes, but enough enough of that foolishness because we got a packed week of really? news ahead of us and a, a, a few games that we needed to talk about. Yeah, this is the X Bottom Podcast, our gaming podcast that posts every Thursday from 2 p.m. onwards, God willing. Available on the YouTube channel Escape Media as well as most audio services around the world, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the like. You can find links in the RSS feed at anchor.fm slash escape dash media. If you enjoy our show, give us a like and subscribe. So, Paul, hit me. What have you been playing? Actually, we have been playing mostly yep. the same similar games. I was so going to get the other ones that we yeah. did. Share get get, get, get those out. Yeah, get so those out of, course, of the way. Um, we briefly mentioned it in the Reacts episodes, and I think last week where we focused so much on like opening night live and stuff, but mm -hmm. I finished Horizon Forbidden West, mm -hmm. um, and that was just, that was a treat. I'm really glad I finally sat down and powered through that. I had a long weekend where my wife was out of town, so I just got to really sit yeah. down. And now, real quick, you had already told us that you'd beaten it. Have you been doing the side stuff? Okay. I haven't yet. Um, I was just wanting to be a little more detailed from what I said last week. So just mm -hmm. to say how much enjoyment I had out of that and how I really hope they continue the knocking it out of the park with what they're doing. It, it took me most of the story, but I finally got into a lot of the side characters, especially um, certain ones. Obviously, no spoilers for it that uh, not everybody makes it out of the story. Mm -hmm. alive and uh that made it alone a lot more interesting to see how everybody reacted to the grief mm -hmm. and especially that super quiet moment with two separate characters out on a cliff face mm -hmm. i don't know if you remember yeah, yeah that remember. actually brought a tear to my eye because i was remembering like 
people that I've lost and how they were kind of saying it in just vague enough terms that I could apply it to my own life. And I was like, oh, this makes me feel things. Why am mm -hmm. I feeling things? So that was just great. And then it also had bombastic action. Great stuff. I unlocked a ton of weapons. It's just it was a good time. Um, after that, uh, taking our expectations down a notch it was Midnight Fight Express. Mm hmm. We uh, basically, the great value poor man's Sifu, um, <laughs> more or less, is 20 bucks on PSN or for Game Pass, it's free. Mm -hmm. And um, that was that was an experience for sure. I, I love the concept. I love the idea of it. It's basically mixing uh, Hotline Miami and Sifu, obviously, um, with this jump into a bunch of people, you get combos and attacks, counters, whatever knock it out but it also had a lot of clunkiness a lot of uh lack of polish mm -hmm. and it was just it was all right and it has like 40 40 missions um which i thought was like oh great i get so much content and now it's like you're kind of spamming the same moves to get through certain enemies and i'm like oh this isn't as fun as i thought it was yeah. so <laughs> i i'm not entirely sure if i'm going to revisit it but i'm glad that i played it and i'm glad it exists next moving on uh did you want to talk about destiny a little more? yes uh, yeah. yeah let's just talk about that because we um was it monday we uh, yes, we finally yeah. uh you beat well you beat half of king's fall I hey, beat that seems to be the process for me. I joined my first experience with a raid is like while y'all are halfway through it and mm -hmm. need help. And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's see what happens. And honestly, I mean, I did enjoy myself. I know we had a lot of struggles, uh, especially near the end, but it, it wasn't as bad as my vow the disciple experience mm -hmm. at all. Um, that it was a lot, um, but it was simpler and uh -huh. more enjoyable overall i had to got to play with some new weapons that i've been playing around with and it felt great to be unkillable and high-end mm -hmm. content yeah that was nuts it was like whenever we were we were trying to wipe because i was also playing as a titan yeah that that high resilience um solar 3.0 titan just refuses to die especially if you're wearing lorelei and it felt oh. so good <laughs> to be like the few times where I want to die and realizing just how powerful that specific build is for the Titan makes me feel really great. And that's one of the main reasons why I keep coming back to Destiny 2 is the weird builds that make you mm -hmm. just this walking nuke that yeah. wipes out everything. And I love that. So, yeah, that's done. Um, I got a bunch of really good guns out of the first time that we did it. Usually it's like you get a bunch of spoils of conquest yeah. which is like that weird uh currency but no actual weapon drops but i left that with a pulse rifle two machine guns two hand gu uh, cannons mm -hmm. and um i think that was actually it now that i think about yeah. it but yeah just still the fact that i got half of the available weapons was really great yeah i got uh, I, I got out of it two armor pieces and uh the pulse rifle the sniper and the scout rifle all with firefly and Which is amazing that you got those rolls. Um, I've been doing some research on all those details, and I really want the scout rifle and the sniper rifle now yeah. um, because I love those details, and I really like the low zoom on that mm -hmm. sniper rifle. Yeah, that, it's so good because usually there's there's not many good sniper rifles in Destiny 2 no. like they were in Destiny 1, especially with, with, when it comes to the actual scopes. There's just and so the, many other options now. 
back oh, in yeah. Destiny 1, that was like your only big damage tool, really. Yeah, because you the double primary system that allows you to have double primaries that people hated originally in year one, but then when they were At like... First you can... I hated it too. I was like, oh, what is the point of all this? And now it was, it, it was because the sniper... Because why would you put in the same slot snipers, shotguns, uh, rockets, grenade launchers? Because yeah. all of that was in the power slot. So it didn't make any sense. The double primaries was like... Some people wanted the idea of like, I want to have an auto rifle and a pulse rifle at the same time. So yeah. Bungie kind of tuned it that way, especially because most of the PvP crowd was asking for that. But um, mm -hmm. then ever since they were like, you know what, we're doing a hybrid. If you want to have like a sniper in your middle slot and then like a normal primary under your power, you can do that or you can stay with the double primary. So it just made a, it just widened the options, but it's made wanting to main on a sniper less, um, less viable especially when with the champion system that we have going that it's rare for snipers to get a anti-barrier like they are this season that makes them actually viable why would you run non-mod weapons in a season so right. um, yeah which it's i'm appreciating more the fact that they kind of force you to change your rotation of weapons um i used to be kind of mad at that but now i'm like oh i appreciate that they kind of incentivize you rather than try to like nurse yes something. as long as like it feels like the uh the switch ups make sense i remembered one season it was uh season 10 the season of the worthy the one from the pandemic anti-barrier was sidearms so it's, um, so it's like there are times where there has been like weapon switches that just don't make any sense and makes the meta very annoying so as long I, as I think they revisited sidearm barrier, it's, it was sidearm something last season. But yeah, anti barrier like, last season. Yeah, they had other options, so it didn't really matter as much. At that but, point, we had the forerunner uh, exotic that is a sidearm with an actual scope that mm -hmm. can hit from far out if you if you're yep. wanting to use it. So, I am. Yes, last week was an ordeal for me with Destiny because I did the day one raid. I, I did the day one race and I streamed it for like five hours, and I tell you. Never in my life I'm ever doing that again, especially if I'm if we're taking in noobs, because day one races with the um, with the modifier are not the ones that you want to take in people that are 36 hours without sleep or bringing in weapons that you don't go into high end content with like uh, enemies that hit 20% harder with a scout rifle. I'm sorry, you don't. And it took a lot of willpower. I, I was like venting in our chat, but man, I wanted to just like cuss people out out, out, out of the sheer incompetence there. And uh, I, what's for their listeners, what would you say the ratio is for um, the people that you really needed to babysit? Was it just one person or was there like a group? Half. Half. Yeah. You see, that's that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's a problem where um, it's a day one race with like that extra thing is like, um, races you want to do them with a team that you know you play really well with because that those are the teams that go in because it's the raid race yeah afterwards yeah bring in all the noobs because that's when you're learning together which is what we did the day after with uh one of our clan admins uh spartan that we brought that we brought in is really cool like with him it's like i get a good report to be able to like teach something and he is always kind of like keeping a good a good vibe out of it so that helped a lot, but yeah, it was like I did that day one race on Friday, then I did have the raid on Saturday. We stopped at Golgoroth, the big ogre, and then on Monday we picked up, and that's where you joined in to be able to do that. And uh, I'm reminded why King's Fall is like considered one of the best raids they've ever done, but also why it's like the one with the least completion rates 
or as, as like farmable because it's long because it's an absolute like it is an actual raid it's an mm it's a as close to an mmo raid as it gets because of you traveling through this ship it feels like you're a squad traveling through like a warship making your way to the king and having to be stonewalled by the different bosses and it's actually it feels cool getting through that progression i hope you get to experience uh, the war priest when we finally nail him on saturday that was so satisfying because he requires millions and millions and millions of health damage and uh good thing that i got rewarded well with the weapons because i kind of want to do it again now and i think later today we may have a run who knows but um i'm glad that you got a completion in the first week even though it was just halfway through oh, and i'll take it <laughs> and i pass your midnight and me cussing you out for not understanding what a bunk is after i had already told you what a bunk was see because so. <laughs> when you say it it sounds like bunk and through the microphone and all the chaos i was like what are you talking about um so i just i did, wasn't connecting it in the middle of everything else and i was just like all right yeah. listen mr man yeah no because uh, i was like you're a, you're a titan use your hammer use your effing hammer because you gotta get close because yeah. we were like at that um because we were at that final boss damage phase that we needed to kind of like stun but i was like i had already killed and triggered my bomb and you had not even killed the uh the ogre when i was like you can get close you don't have to wait <laughs> See, i was trying to the problem is my arbalist like the charge for it um is slow enough mm -hmm. and the ogre would turn his head enough that i wasn't getting crit damage mm -hmm. so it was taking too long for me to kill it and after that i just yeah. Sure, went the arbalest for a quicker weapon, and that's why we were able to get through that. Yeah, and that um, one was because um, when the when we were in the damage phases, yes, don't bonk him because in case you're super close, and then the bombs is there and it triggers it. That happened to me right. in that final space when we needed to trigger those bombs as quick as possible to extend the final the, the final damage phase. That's where I was like, just get up close and up close and personal, and just smash that hammer to like get him quick. So. Yeah, I mean, I, as we've established, whenever there's a lot going on, I freeze up because yeah. I don't really understand what's going on. It's only through the repetition of it that I actually yeah. grasp. What, yeah, what I did, did find funny, though, is that in that run that we actually beat that raid, your, was, your phone died. Yep, and I and, was deaf, like, the entire time. Yes, and, 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 and until I enabled the mic from the ps5 controller yeah that. and i was like at least you could kind of telephone it through mm -hmm. uh to me yeah when you died everyone said it's a wipe and i was like and i told them it may be but let's i think he gets it and then as yeah. soon as like you got uh you got torn into like the different dimension you were in position i was like he's in position he gets it so yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, which i'm really glad that that ended up working out it's one of those things where like when the chips are down and there's all the desperation when you pull out that weird competence in the, like a really difficult part of dark souls or elden ring or whatever mm -hmm. um and then you're like that that one shouldn't have worked but somehow i pulled it out uh mm -hmm. that was that was our last run for that i mean same thing with vow the disciple back when we thought we were wiping and, mm -hmm. and the, it uh, exploded the extra damage yeah. finally pushed us through as it checked off uh to reset so yeah um it was it was enjoyable i'm glad that i did it and it was entertaining and i i think the, the funniest part was how the argument between what is the front and the back of the room uh finding out about yeah that. oh god it's been like so exhausting <laughs> reading about that it's like what's the front for you to me the front is where oryx shows up because See, you're that, facing him it's just it logic. would make sense 
in my head, I would think wherever you enter the room is the front technically, but then I'm thinking also, because that's the front of the Dreadnought is where mm -hmm. Oryx is. So that could also count as the front because it's like mm -hmm. the bridge of the ship. And that's so what like, was destroying LFG teams this past weekend. Yeah. People trying to figure that out. And uh, us doing the R1, L1, R2, L2 helped a lot because there were people doing cup, dog, something like that to try to figure out. I was like, no. And everyone got it except one guy that I'm not going to mention the name that kept screwing up he all the time. I was like, how many right times do we have from... to tell you go to L1? He wouldn't, he must be getting it like turned around while yes, he's because, running mm, and stuff. So, I mean, I would think that just seeing which side Oryx is on kind of decides that for mm -hmm. you. Um, and it helped that since I was positioned as the floater on the front side, mm -hmm. R1, L1 side, yeah. um, it makes it easier for me to like know where everything's happening. Yeah, because you're always facing wherever Oryx was always exactly. showing up. So. Um, so that was easy to figure out. But yeah, I could see how some people would get that really yeah. good. Now, quick question, Paul. Do you ever get the Wish Ender bow? Um, I don't think so. What it's uh, it's a bow you get. get it. It's a bow you get inside the uh, dungeon for the Dreaming City, the Shattered Throne. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a couple of those. The legendary. But... No, no, it's an exotic. Oh no, then I don't. okay. I have a different. Find one. a way to see if you can do that quest because uh, I was just seeing some notifications from Paul Tassi. He's been using it. That bow now has intrinsic anti-barrier and has like and has like the. 40% exotic buff and yeah. it's infinite ammo so it's yeah. able to like melt a bunch of the uh anti-barriers wow. to try to get try to get that and uh now we're in it begins a new season where we're gonna be raiding to try to get the touch of malice the exotic that drops at the end of the of this raid which back in d1 it wasn't a, a final drop it was a quest that you needed to find like 50 collectibles to be able to get that before even to, uh, is that in the raid specifically that you had to find? In, in now in destiny 2 you can only drop at the final chest like the well, back mythic class and though. and everything but back in destiny 1 you could get that before without even having to raid you needed to find just Whatever. the collectibles so but because they just brought the, back the raid and not the uh dreadnought which was the patrol zone for taking king yeah but that's been not the only thing that we've been playing paul because another game came out last week that when the reviews hit, we were very apprehensive about, and then somehow we were, I think it was when we were like, uh, recording. We were watching Opening Night Live, I think. Yeah, and we were watching Opening Night Live and we are talking about that. Deciding. And it was like, it's a new game, should we just take the plunge? And once again, our arrangement kind of came in and you, we paid half and half, 30 and 30, and then we played it and we're still playing it. And uh, I'll say this. The first two days that I played that game, I was like, am I crazy? Am I why am I having so much fun with this? Like, am I being bamboozled by all the negative reactions that we read about it? It's like, are we such huge outliers? And the more that I've been playing it, the more I'm seeing where a lot of the heavy criticism has come in, like in terms of polish. Like I'm hitting those snacks. But I'm having this weird thing where even when I had a moment, I screenshot it to you yesterday, yeah. where the entire world stopped rendering and I was like uh, using my wingsuit and flying beneath it. It's like, yes, the game's kind of broken. I'm just having a lot of fun that it doesn't matter to me. This is where I had that disconnect between 
reviews for Cyberpunk and myself uh -huh. playing it because yeah, there was like parts that were really broken at times, but overall I was like, I'm having so much fun. Why are people freaking out about this? And I think also because as we've mentioned, we play on PS5. Mm -hmm. However, the I think PC and the Xbox versions are much more broken. No, I no, it, no, they were. Uh, no, are we talking about Saints Row right now? Yeah. Uh, just anecdotally, based on the reviews I've seen, that mostly mained it on either PC on Series X. That's where a lot of the, uh, at least from those day one, and to, just to keep in mind, a lot of those reviews happened without the day one patch. Also, I, I was right. reading that it was like, I think they, that was yeah, they were reviewed with the promise of like, oh yeah, the day one patch is supposed to patch things, but a lot of reviewers are not taking that as gospel because Fall seventy six made that kind of promise same as cyberpunk yeah. and look what happened so they don't take oh, any no, chances and then sure. yeah they don't take any chances and they just review the product that they're given and i did see like how broken it was like in the skill up review he yeah. literally they like, posted the end of the game Which, that i can't lie i'm kind of pissed off at that in hindsight because now they're going through plot points of that and mm -hmm. i'm like Oh, this kind of sucks that I know how this ends now. Yeah. Um, but I understand. But here's the thing: like, does it matter? The story kind of sucks. It's like it's, the story is pretty much nothing. It's just a moment-to-moment -moment thing of just having like this four bodies kind of like trying to wreak havoc and creating the saints. It doesn't feel like a like there's much of a plot drive. It's just about just engaging in the moment-to-moment, -moment. and the moment-to-moment -moment has just been insane. Some I think of the, just more the um because i don't mind it it's kind of got the plot of like a fast and furious movie really where it's like yeah you could say it's dumb but it's also like simple mm -hmm. and there's a certain quality to it where i mean like as of right now the final boss is an npc on your side mm -hmm. and so i thought that because like if i had gone through it because at first you're sent to arrest him at the beginning mm -hmm. of the game and then you break him out and you be he becomes part of your team i was like oh shoot that's really cool would have been awesome if i didn't know that he's going to betray yeah. me later <laughs> um because now and that's I why know. we don't read reviews and that's the thing i yeah. saw them because i thought we were not gonna buy it because yeah, it's like so, it's the highest profile lowest scoring game of this year like there's obviously other way lower scoring games like like in the double a or crossfire x that has a 38 on metacritic right now yeah. but it was like at least from like the high profile highly anticipated because saints rosa was actually anticipated because yeah. it Definitely. was revealed it was revealed like one of keely's shows and i remember at the reveal i was like wow this looks really good and polished and now we're like oh <laughs> well i guess that was curated content for sure oh yes um, and there's a the thing is like early on i was like barely having any glitches that i was like Man, did that? Did, did they want? Did they really get screwed by the day one patch with the reviewers? Because it's like I'm really having a lot of fun. It's like the shooting is not the best because it's not super precise, but it's like precise enough for me to like just enjoy, turn my brain off, and just like and just enjoy and enjoy it. It's like that's the key word for sure. Is yeah. to turn your brain off. Like this is after a hard day, you just get to goof off like an old school GTA game. Yeah, and and I'll say this: it's like. Um, I would say like this game scored. A, there's a lot of this game scored a lot in the six range, and I feel I have learned that there is a there is a times where you can actually enjoy sixes. Do you always see movies in the theater that score high enough? Or back in the day, like we we have this weird um, like recently like the Jurassic World Dominion. That's a movie I went to see. Has like a 38 Rotten Tomatoes. Who cares? It's like um, 
like it's it, it's you 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 want you you once I mentioned about this whole thing about like uh, are people too focused and just trying to find out the next masterpiece, and, and and you miss you you miss uh, you misspoke there as in like does the is that what the media want always wants? And no, that's not what the media wants. It's just audiences. Are they yeah. just are they just focuses on just wanting I to get? Should have clarified. It's the mo mostly the society and yeah. the consumer side of it. That exactly. Like the, the, it's, the, it's the consumer side to focus on that. And I will say. Uh, the last few years, unfortunately, has kind of put that sort of expectation that now it's like you cannot just enjoy something that's just dumb fun yeah. or kind of like in the lower end quality that is like this is not the most polished thing in the world, but you can kind of find some fun out of it. Kind of like the double A side of gaming. Yeah. And this reminds me, it's like, yeah, it's like when you put your mind into it, it's like you can enjoy this as you can enjoy a Michael Bay movie. And I don't want to hear anyone says that at at that point in their life they have enjoyed that. <laughs> so it's like, it's especially right now, the, the meme. trending yeah. of Transformers and a surprising amount of people saying how much they loved that movie. Yeah. Um, where I'm like, I know a lot of y'all were saying some of the opposite before, but I think it's just not from the original one. The original one is the one that people there. You will find people go back to it to go yeah. go to back to it. It's just the sequels that kind of. That's fair. Th um, two things yeah, down. So it's like a lot of people will kind of they need to get a a little bit of distance yeah. from that thing. I mean, just look at the revisiting of the Last Jedi by Ryan Johnson five years later, mm -hmm. which five years ago. Yeah, that it's is insane. Nuts. Um, yeah. And I, it's like so much was said so quickly, and then after just now, people are like, "I'm revisiting this, and it seems a little different than what I thought." And it's like. Rise that of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker happens. So yeah. Um, so there's just a lot of people coming back to things with a very different yeah. opinion. You know, also, and so. this is something that I've been analyzing a lot, and it's been like the, I will have to say, I actually blame Marvel for where right. we are currently with like current discourse when it comes to like collective reviews and all that. If you look at MCU stuff, especially when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of people focus so much on the percentage of how many people gave it a positive review and the way Rotten Tomatoes presents itself without actually seeing what their reviews actually say or what they're scoring. The thing is that a 6 out of 10 in Rotten Tomatoes is a positive that's going to go towards a positive percentage up. But it's like saying it's like 94% of critics mostly gave this thing a aggregate score of like 6 out of 10. And a lot of people are really badly conflating average movies as the high quality stuff in a way because it's like um, do, do you know that the average score for no way home despite it having like a 90 90 something in like positive reviews like 7.4 so it's like uh i feel like uh this, this era rotten tomatoes has like really um uh, and the and the way it has weaponized making average movies seem better than they are kind of has really screwed up like what actual average movies actually feel like in a way there's there there's a lot of um when you step off of the featured tab of your mm -hmm. 
local streaming service, you'll find some actually pretty average movies, mm-hmm. and they are not fun to watch at all. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's also some out there that are hidden gems because they're not in a featured tab. They don't get talked about all over social media. And then you're like, wow, this is actually a really solid movie. What's the deal? And it's just not being talked about. So I think it's the same situation with a lot of this. And basically to bring it all full circle, Saints Row is not necessarily a masterpiece in any stretch. Not even close. However, it's not even a great game. It's not even a great game. Yeah, it's just a really fun game mm-hmm. and i think as long as people understand that's what they're looking for out of it and of course it's like oh you oh, don't you play all games to have fun it's like of course but for the dumb fun category um yeah. i think there's a separate area for that and also kind of like it's just the desire of having the hbo equivalent of gaming because obviously like if you see a bunch of hbo shows that's like a high quality pristine thing it's like most of the time like 90 percent of the time the thing that you're watching that thing is quality and yeah. kind of like that idea of the prestige video game the prestige triple a quadruple a video game has kind of like really uh, made people move away from giving the more double a uh less prestige thing a chance yeah and i feel like the embracer group with all their acquisitions the games that are putting out uh that's kind of their goal in a way obviously i wish those things were received a little bit better because it can make the case for a is like you can also have fun with the things that are not the super high quality because let's just not mince words if you're only expecting the prestige high quality stuff all the time you're only going to be playing two three games a year because yep. those like trying to get a level of prestige is just going to take uh, so much time it just takes so much time and money i mean just look at the way we talk to death the idea of naughty dog crunch uh mm-hmm. god of war and San- sony santa monica the process that actually requires mm-hmm. for them to get to that level of quality is not sustainable so when now people are seeing something that has a couple of screws loose in their games they're like this game's freaking terrible mm-hmm. but and the reality is like no just not all games are made that perfectly yeah. <laughs> the standard cannot be the last of us and god of war we funny we're saying that with uh, last of us part one reviews uh, dropping in today and it being fairly positive even though it's not scoring as high as the originally released but of course it's a freaking remake of an old game yeah. but it's like not everything can be that and i'm sick of having to get into that argument of everyone always expecting that as a base when that should not be the base because it's something to always strive towards too yeah. because if because if if games cannot have a different base that they can probably strive towards too, and you're always expecting that high level of quality it's like it's just going to implode the industry by many developers will overspend so much money to try to get something to to that level of quality without knowing that that also requires a level of depth talent that not every, everyone can have. So it's always good to that you can have your prestige there, but not forsake everything that's in the middle. I and would dare say that we already reached something like that in the last couple of years, helped with COVID, obviously, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of devs really tried that and then it just fell apart due to either mismanagement or not really understanding what they could do out of it or overspending and we we saw some fallouts out of that i can't think of any exact details right now but i'm sure you push that you could find some but yeah overall yeah, but, but but it's like even despite that it's like it, it seems row is like even with his problems it's just a good reminder of like we shouldn't be immediately turned off as something like it's not scoring high enough we have gotten into that problem like we did that early on with dying light 2 in fact 
I, I've been re-listening some of the older episodes from this year just to kind of like remember where we were and some funny nuggets that I found that you some offhand comments that ended up turning true or in, in an ironic way but it's like uh, Dying Light 2 was a was a initial example that we were excited to play it and then immediately when we saw reviews we just dodged like completely like dipped hard we, we dipped hard and uh Saints Row scored way lower than Dying Light yep. but we still ended up buying it Yep, and we. I would say I've had a lot more fun with Saints Row than Dying Light. Yeah. Um. So take with that what you will. Listeners. It's it's your taste. So it's like definitely. So and and that's the thing. Like sometimes you can't amount. And I I think I said it before when we were talking about Elden Ring and the early early reviews when we actually bought that. We were not gonna buy that game immediately because we were like feasting already. And then all the the yeah. ninety seven Metacritic, all the Gosh. ten out of tens were happening. The then we feel like, I think we have to now. And I'm kind of glad it did because eventually that was a game that really carried us for like two, a good two months. At least. Uh, I haven't eaten that good with yeah. the game since like The Witcher, I think. And, but then at the same time, we were talking about there's technical issues here. Is this a 10 out of 10? And then that's what I mentioned is like, review should always be like a suggestion, but never gospel. Yeah. In the end, it's like, if something looks interesting to us, we can always try it. It's like Saints Row, we're like, I think what happened here with Saints Row is that we were starved. We we're like, that we had been coming from such famish of not actually buying like a, a big game for a while that we we're like, should we just give it a shot? And if it's bad, it's like, well, at least we gave it a shot and look, we have found enjoyment out of it. So it's, a, it's just a good, it's a good thing to have. If we are interested in something, even if it's not reviewing well, in the end, it's like we have our own opinions. We shouldn't just base it on others. And something that I have to keep reminding myself of. And I'm certainly glad. I mean, just imagine if we decided not to go buy it ourselves and how the world's reviews would have affected our view on that game um, mm -hmm. and how it has for so many people who didn't play the game. Um, <laughs> we're uh, like kind of railing on it because of gameplay that they didn't experience mm -hmm. but now no that they experienced that we didn't right yeah 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 um so it's just i'm glad that i was able to see it myself and mm -hmm. make a decision myself. exactly and you had a friend telling you it's actually really fun it's like the word of mouth and we saw a few outliers who so was like okay there's some people that are actually not a align and then i linked the data kotaku article of someone saying that he was finding fun out of it and he felt distressed how many people were saying that he was being paid off for saying something positive just because a consensus had formed and that's what really really struck me it's like yeah it's like consensus it's like our opinions are what matters so so yeah it's like saints row i'll a caveat i'll i'll still have to caveat it's like are we more positive because we only paid 30 30 itch that's I mean, also something to always keep in, a yeah. little bit but I also feel like it's a game that has enough content, at least because as we know, I love longevity in games of replay value and Saints Row is really built for that. So if you can get past the bugs, I feel like it could be as long as you understand what you're getting into. That's fair. That, that's fair. But, but yeah, it's that's, like that's, that's, I think, my verdict for that. Yes. And, and that's always going to be always a caveat as we try new games because this arrangement allows us to play a bunch of games we've had. I otherwise would be spending 60 or 70, but it's something to always keep in mind when, whenever we're recommending stuff. So Yeah, for sure. Especially with, uh, we are buying Last of Us Part 1 and we're doing a split. Many reviews, it's so funny saying it, that it's like, 
yeah, this is great, but if you played it before, you're not a super hardcore fan, it's like, maybe 70 is not the right price. And to me, I would buy it at full price because I am that super fan. It's like The Last of Us is one of my favorite games of all time. You are more hot and cold with it, but it's like playing it for what's going to amount for you for 30 and me 40 because we paid more for something previous. It's like, that would be kind of like the ideal price for someone to eventually get it, but hey, at least we get to play it now. And absolutely, it's I'll the still same say as that buy it on a sale kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly, but it's like something to keep in mind. And I hope, like, I really enjoy. It. I played remaster, remember? So that will be my second go around with. That's true. With it this, and this it's time. been a while for me. We were trying to do the math on that, and it's mm -hmm. been a couple of years, or at least one. But um, I'm looking forward to it because, like I said, um, I can't fault the originals plot at all and that's mm -hmm. what i'm gonna be getting plus all the gameplay and accessibility options i'm gonna at least enjoy like a week or so of uh, revisiting yeah and you that you had that problem with trying to bring a simple mindset into a morally great thing like what happened to you with part yeah. two part one is not that so you're hey, that, definitely are primed to i realized a lot about myself if nothing yes. else so i have to thank the, uh, the last of us too for that much mm -hmm. oh yes but enough of that, Paul, because there's actually a lot of news here because we have yeah. been with the showcases and all of that. It's like news have been like slow and now everything's like blowing up. So press X for some news. All right, Paul, um, the number one story just broke before. Uh, right before. Right before. And I screamed. You love to see it. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, number one by uh, Tom Ivan at, at Video Games Chronicle. An Nintendo Direct featuring Wind Waker and Twilight Princess is reportedly coming in September. An Nintendo Direct presentation focus on Zelda announcements will reportedly be held in September. That's according to GameSpeed Managing Dire uh, Editor Mike Minotti and Giant Bomb reporter Jeff Grubb, our favorite, who are speaking on a podcast this week. To be clear, uh, to be clear, guys, the one thing we are very, very sure is being announced at this direct are the Wind Waker and Twilight Princess ports for Switch. Minotti said, "That's yeah. what I love to hear." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of Zelda stuff at this thing. Grub said, "I think this is this is like a Zelda blowout for Nintendo. 100% there's a D Nintendo Direct in September. It's that simple. There is still some uncertainty about whether this will be a general direct, maybe a mini. Uh, there was some talk of of it being a partner direct." Grub added, if they're going to have sell the stuff there, this is not a partner direct. And those are the things that we've been hearing. The specifics that were named up were Twilight Princess and Wind Waker HD ports to the Switch. Which again, even had we not heard that, I would be speculating that that would be happening right now while we wait for the run-up to Breath of the Wild 2. And yet we have heard that and we've heard other things. Again, Metroid Prime Remastered, that sounds like it's got to be announced as something like this. And then third parties will be showing up, he continued. I've heard some of that as well. It's not super exciting, the things I've heard. To me, it sounds like at least a mini direct. But if it's going to have the name of the next Zelda, which it seems like a distinct possibility, that sounds like a big general direct. Grub said that he heard from a pretty good source that the event will take place during the week beginning September 12th. The Metroid Prime thing seems like it should be happening. It's a lot of remasters to announce in one thing, but maybe that will be a little bit of a theme here. That's what he said. So... This would be a dream come true because it would finally close the loop. It would finally give me a piece in my mind that the entire the, the entirety of the Zelda catalog would finally be in a system that's modern, can be carried everywhere, and it's an in HD. Instead of having to keep my Wii freaking plugged in. 
It's it's the last holdout for the Wii U, that's for sure. But I'm I'm so glad that we're hearing some more certain talk about it because mm -hmm. you know when you hear some of those leaks, they use very specific words to not get too people too excited. Where this one was like, no, I've heard this is absolutely a thing. It's just the details besides this that I'm not sure about, and I'm that's what got my mind uh, racing because yeah. they don't just say stuff like that. Not these people. Yeah, they they are well sourced. Yes. And like how BGC sourced the the fact that there was a, a direct partner thing happening at the end of June and ended up happening is like they don't put this out if you're not confident. Jeff Grubb historically during 2020 when everyone was like asking where was the direct and he had said that it was coming and then it happened just a day after yeah. and everyone was trying to egg on him and then he stood up and be like no it's actually happening you'll see like boom and it happened. Twenty four hours guys. Yeah. Um, when. It's just so funny how people really go nuts about that stuff and not in a good way. I always say going nuts as like a catch-all term, but they, they were losing their minds in a very bad way, in a very mean way. And yeah, it's just, a, it's, just a bad, it's, it's just a bad example of consumerism run amok and everyone being, being like, please, Nintendo, to give us things so we can consume you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's basically... And that's, I mean, the, also the fact that Nintendo basically is doing the Immortan Joe route uh, from Mad Max, where he's like, hit the levers on Zelda remakes, cut it off so people mm. want more, yeah. give you a little more. And that's that's just always a bad way. Yeah. It's only a matter of time before somebody tries to Exactly. And him. especially uh, a Nintendo that it's always so weird about how they do backwards compatibility and, and the preservation of their own legacy. It's like, that's what makes it, makes it extra frustrating. Yeah. But I've been wanting this for a while. Like my Switch has been just gathering dust almost all year. And if he said, if Grab said that this Direct is planned on the week of the 12th, that makes sense because on September 9th, that's when Splatoon 3 comes out. That's the final first party Nintendo game announced that's coming out. Xenoblade already came out two months ago. They have nothing. The only thing that we know that's coming is Zelda. So they got to talk about that because the, because the Pokemon games, they're announced on their own on, at their own time by the Pokemon company. They're like adjacent to Nintendo, partnered with Nintendo, but it's not something that it's Nintendo's, um, that, that's Nintendo's goal to like make it their part of their big slate that they usually just announce. Just a side note, just imagine, because technically with the Pokemon company being its own thing, imagine if that relationship ever diminished, they could technically go elsewhere to other games. That'd be insane. It's like, because that, that relationship is like so ironclad and they're so, it they're is. looked at, um, they're looked at in such a... To the point that people think that it is a Nintendo game, but it's mm, not. It's, yeah. it's just Nintendo published. Pokemon company. Yeah. But it's um, all about the Pokemon company, but yeah, it's like, and, and and Metroid Remastered, that'd be great because I kept telling oh, you yeah. last year, it's like that'd be a great one for you to revisit to so you could see like modern 3D Metroidvania designs, uh, original uh, originator, and it's still holding up really well. So please, Nintendo is like, I've been like every Nintendo Direct I watch, I always walk out disappointed because I'm always looking for this. So. Yep. And this is the, the Hawkeye meme all over again. Don't give, Don't me, give hope. me hope. Yes. Uh, but I want it. <laughs> but I want it. I want it so bad. Especially because you've never finished it. That's what makes it funnier. I know. And as we've established in previous things, it was a glitch that broke my game. I did not just stop playing it. Just want people to know that. Yeah, but also you're the person that gives game of the year to games you never finish. And that's your favorite game you never that finished. That was so last you year, and you would not stop making fun of me, so I'm never <laughs> doing it again. <laughs>
<laughs> just make sure <laughs> that you yep. beat it. And you I still haven't beaten Guardians of the Galaxy, right? That's I what I find funny. <laughs> I, I have since rescinded my game of the year for that one. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Well, that's, right, it's just, it, that's just who you are. <laughs> that's just who you are, Paul. So. Number two, this one is more negative and more distressing news for people that are not in the United States. Number two, by Chris Collin from BGC, PlayStation 5 gets a price increase in Europe, Japan, and parts of North America. So Sony has announced that the PlayStation 5 will see a price increase of up to 12.5% in numerous countries. Effective immediately, the price of both the standard PS5 and the PS5 Digital Edition will be raised in Europe, Australia, and parts of Asia and North America, as in uh, Canada and and Mexico. Those are North America. However, there will be no price increase in the United States. Sony says the price increase is due to high global inflation rates. The new prices are as follows, effective immediately. Europe is, uh, the, P the PS5 disc is 549.99 euros. It used to be 499. PS5 digital is 449. It used to be 399 euros. In the UK, it's 479.99 pounds. It used to be 449.99. PS5 digital, 389.99 pounds. It used to be 359. Japan, it's a, uh, it's it's uh, the, the the fat PS5 is getting is gonna cost six sixty thousand four hundred seventy eight yen, up from fifty four thousand nine hundred seventy eight. That's a massive increase. Um, the PS5 digital is forty nine thousand four seventy eight yen, used to be forty three thousand nine hundred seventy eight yen. In China, uh, the fat one is gonna cost four thousand two hundred ninety nine yuan. It used to cost three thousand eight hundred ninety nine yuan. PS5 digital. 3,499 yuan. It used to be 3,099. Australia, uh, normal was gonna cost 799.95. Used to cost 749.95. PS5 digital, 649.95 Australian dollars. It used to be 599.95. In Mexico, it's gonna be uh, 14,999 lempiras. It's not. It looks like dollars there. That's not that. Yeah, um, I, I see that it's slightly diagonal. <laughs> exactly, uh, and it's like um, it used to be thirteen. Oh no, it's pesos. Sorry, Lempiras is in Honduras. It nah. used to be thirteen thousand nine hundred ninety-nine pesos, and the digital is twelve thousand four hundred ninety-nine pesos. It used to be eleven thousand four hundred ninety-nine pesos, and in Canada, U.S. Uh, the Canadian dollar fat six hundred forty-nine ninety-nine, and then PS Five digital five five hundred nineteen ninety-nine. Sony also knows that select markets in the EMEA, APAC, and LATAM regions, LATAM for Latin American, may also see price increases, but hasn't listed them in detail. I can confirm that the PS5 um, in El Salvador, fat, bundled in with a bunch of stuff, is $1,099. Yeah, I, I remember you posted that picture. Yeah. And that the was... irony of that, of, of me getting that ad the same day this happened, so. In a statement on the PlayStation blog, SIE president and CEO Jim Ryan said, The global economic uh, environment is a challenge that many of you around the world are no doubt experiencing. We're seeing high global inflation rates as well as adverse currency trends, impacting consumers and creating pressure in many industries. Based on these challenging economic conditions, SIE has made the difficult decision to increase the recommended retail price RRP of PlayStation 5 in select markets across Europe, Middle East, and Africa, Asian Pacific, Latin America, as well as Canada. There will be no price increase in the United States. 
While this price increase is a necessity given the current global economic environment and its impact on SIU's business, our top priority continues to be improving the PS5 supply situation so that, that as many players as possible can experience everything that PS5 offers and what's still to come. Uh, I did want to say thank you everybody for listening to Game Ep Economics told by Baloo from Jungle Book. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so this is, this sucks. Yeah. This absolutely sucks. It's, um, one of those things. I know we're going to get into the details of exactly the minutia of some of these things. I know a lot of people are like, why is this going up everywhere? But the U S and I'll ask mm -hmm. these questions, which we've gone back and forth in our chat about the details. So, um, do you want to go ahead and explain why so, this is not America and is, it is everybody, uh, where else and why this is a big, it's deal? global inflation. Unfortunately, a lot of, um, the value of many currencies, especially the ones listed here are like, I have lost a lot of value right now with all the high the high prices of everything else. And for some reason, the U.S. dollar remains kind of like the strongest compared to other uh, in, in currency compared to other currencies that they felt like they needed to increase the price. Here's what really busts me in a way that just makes me angry. What were they saying a year ago around this time? That they weren't going to have any issues? No, not only that, that the PS5 was already profitable. Oh, yes. Remember that? I, I linked that. It's like that yeah. makes it worse because it's like. You're already announcing that you're be, that the thing was being profitable, and now it's like, outside of the U.S., you're gonna put that the cost of infl of inflation on the consumers instead of you trying to eat a little bit of your profits. It's like, that's a really bad look, and the, and, and especially like if the U.S. one had also increased in, increased prices, would be like, oh crap, that's like, that's serious. But the fact that in the U.S. is the only one that's like, no, the thing is remaining at four ninety nine for the fat one and three ninety nine for digital. It's like. They're increasing the price in everywhere else because they think they can. And the, and here's the thing: is like the PS5 has been dominating in all these areas. Debatable in the UK. UK has been a little bit more back and forth. We've been seeing some UK retail sales that I've been like posting in our chat throughout all the year. But in these other places, the PS5 has been dominating. That's such a middle finger to those markets. It'd be like, yeah, we're already winning here, so. Everyone, all of you that you don't have the console yet and you're still wanting to get it, F you. It's like, we're going to increase the price because we want to keep like just making more money. And obviously, yes, like corporations are here to make money. But with this, the Sony being the only one that charges $70 for the games when the competition still hasn't, the constant nickel and diming of $10 upgrades here. $20 upgrade here uh, when the competition just gives that for free is like it's now increasingly look it, now it's like it's become clear for me that Sony is being run by a business by by the money guys and when the money guy runs something when the suits run something we know what happens yeah. and it and I want well yeah it doesn't it really doesn't end well look what happened to Xbox last generation with Don Matrick, that was a business guy. That was like the money guy, and look where that led them to. And with the PS4 earning so much goodwill in, in that entire generation and seeing it being slowly eroded, despite them still winning, in quotes, with Microsoft kind of like making ground in more consumer, uh, pro-consumer areas with like with Game Pass and all that for them to find a way to compete, just not in raw console 
uh, sales like there there was like a a Pierce Morgan analyst that put out in like CNBC that the P that the PS5 has estimated sold 21 million systems while both the Xbox Series X and S have sold like 13.5 million so it's like there's still like a significant gap between the two yeah, but it's, it's by, closing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely closing. Now it's definitely going to close because mm-hmm. uh, another adjacent story that's still for this um, uh, the, by BGC, Xbox says Series X and S price point will remain. Following the news that the PlayStation 5 will see a price increase of up to 12.5% in numerous countries, BGC reached out to Microsoft as to whether the company would follow suit. We're constantly evaluating our business to offer our fans great gaming options, the spokesperson said. Our Series S suggested retail price remains. As it, as it was. This is the first time the company has spoken on the matter since declining to comment to Bloomberg earlier this year when the publication asked the different console makers where they plan to increase the price of their systems. That happened when MetaQuest increased the, the price of the headset by $100. So, and not only that, Nintendo, they provided VGC the following st- statement. As our president, uh, Mr. Furukawa, stated at the 82nd annual general meetings of shareholders in June, while we cannot comment on pricing strategies, we currently do not have any plans to change the price of our hardware due to inflation or increased procurement costs in, in each country. We will determine our future pricing strategies through careful and continued deliberations. While the final price to consumers is always determined by retailers, as Mr. Furukawa stated, Nintendo has no plans to increase the trade price for its hardware. Not a good look. That your, com- oh. that, that your competitors are like, no, we're like, yeah, inflation's happening, but we're not putting that that cost on, on our customers. Granted, um, that's easy PR for Xbox and Nintendo to say, we have no plans. Mm-hmm. That means really nothing um, because they can just say, oh, we now are going to plan for that. And now we're going to raise the prices like six months to a year later. But, but, that's still, the, that's- but here's the thing. This already happened. This was effective yeah. immediately. Sony already increased the prices. They haven't. Right, right. No, so. that's what I'm saying. Like now, <laughs> if I was Nintendo, I would absolutely say that because now I'm going to get all that good PR from all these people that aren't going to be buying PlayStations anymore. And then now I have in my court the decision whenever I want to to raise the prices to match that, and nobody's going to say anything. We're just going to say, "Oh, we tried, yeah. but we couldn't." And the, yeah, and and the thing is that they're not going to do that. They absolutely are not. You sure? Yeah, they're not going to. Why? Because they don't have to. Because they look better against the console against the console leader. But they also have been prone to greed in the past. What do you think about that? No, not not with Microsoft. Microsoft so? has never increased their prices of their things, especially right now where they're. And especially Microsoft is the only one. Like maybe Nintendo could be the one that I could see eventually flipping yeah, okay, the script. Okay, so I was referring to Nintendo this whole time. Yeah, but yeah. Microsoft, I could see them holding to it longer. I mean, just look at no, Game they, Pass. No, not only that, they can hold forever. They're a two trillion dollar company. Yeah. They they, are, they, they they can eat the cost because remember um, they're not in the business to sell consoles no, like they, they, they don't care about computers that. and all that other stuff <laughs> so it's like they can Gosh. hold like even if they're having the same manufacturing costs that sony's having mm. um microsoft can hold firm because they can lose catastrophic amounts of money they're still like one of the most valuable companies in the whole world based on their valuation it's like and they are the only thing i can see them eventually increasing is the price of game pass but the consoles i can see them remaining firm because why would they it's like they have the money to make sony look bad and sony that is so prone this entire generation of stepping on the rake all the time literally 
that's a good way to describe it they have the money to make sony look bad that's a very good Mm -hmm. description i think because it's accurate um where it's like oh yeah maybe they're missing out on the extra 10 bucks per game but that's more just they're paying that price to get the good pr out of it really um and 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 sony right now is like their pr is such a disaster whoever's running sony pr is like it's incredible like just like the constant f-ups all the time like what happened with horizon where they promised the free upgrade and then the year after they were promoting that in order for you to get the upgrades you have to buy the 80 dollars version for like both versions and then and and then it's like the outcry making to be like oh yeah that's right we said we weren't going to do that now from here on out every upgrade we do is gonna be ten dollars uh we believe in generations if we um if we go uh, especially jim ryan if we if you go all the way to um to making a new generation machine is for is to make games just specific for those machines and then they go and every game that they release right now other than returnal and ratchet and clank have been like a uh, cross gen it's like yeah. sony ha- this generation has just been constant contradictions they like not speaking at all and then when they speak up it's always for bad news it's like it's them they're literally being ezra miller right now they're they're like pushing how far they can get by being stupid and doing like all this stupid stuff it before really it actually hits them. Yeah. 15, 20 year old business model type yeah. way of communicating. And that just doesn't fly anymore. Yeah. It's like, and it sucks because the, 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 the people that were hit that were at the top of PlayStation from like 2013 to 2019, they didn't used to be this bad. And now there's like the, and what, what's funny is that usually when Sony puts out like bad news, they usually like to follow it up with good news to try to, quell some bad vibes there's like that rumors that on september 8th that's when their next showcase is gonna be almost like to the year from when we got the last showcase that you almost missed by five minutes to start because you were coming back from the hurricane shelter so then there once again they will put out that showcase we're gonna see they're gonna show some really cool games and then we're gonna be like yay because that's the thing like sony has a trump card their games are great (laughs) so they are actually putting out games but um can't fault them for that part at least yes but i tell you zach i and what sucks is that there were analysts saying that they don't believe this is going to affect how playstation 5 does in all these markets i hope it does i think it definitely will. it definitely I mean, needs to because that sounds like somebody that just said something really bold and has to back it up with what they think is going to happen because i mean think about it what are they going to say oh yeah we think this is going to affect our sales they can't afford to say that mm-hmm. um they have to look like they're on top of it all even if it's a bald-faced lie so i i feel like this is absolutely going to affect them there's still going to be a lot of desperate people i mean look at how much money scalpers have gotten for selling their super overpriced machines now and those I prices mean, have come down catastrophically because they couldn't yeah no after uh, a, a certain point they couldn't sell them at that high price so i think that this is going to be that turning point for that where yeah they might still get a few but i think there's going to be a lot of people jumping ship now especially yeah. with how easy to get the series s is for sure that one is it is a key is like um right now it's like playstation serve and easy ball to microsoft just imagine if microsoft then goes like in a couple weeks uh they're having like a tgs conference like in three weeks so they're actually gonna try to hit japan what if they announce a price drop for the console over there because we're like two years just imagine that's what sony has done by doing this and i would love to see that because 
I am uh, especially as someone that we made on PlayStation. It just mm -hmm. sucks being in this side right now and just seeing uh, everything going wrong in all the in what should be easy wins. And we can only take solos whenever a really good game comes out, and even those don't come out that often. Like Last of Us coming in right now after Will has got like a Horizon as a first party for us because we didn't play Gran Turismo. Look at that gap. These are like our only solaces. So, oh yeah, PlayStation, you make it hard to love you this generation after really how easy it was. Try. Yeah, but hey, it's like they're still making moves. So, next story number three. Sony acquires a mobile studio while promising it won't diminish its commitment to players. Uh, Sony has announced the acquisition of a mobile game developer, making the official start of its PlayStation Studios mobile division. In a post on the official PlayStation blog, PlayStation Studios head Herman Holst welcomed German developer Savage Game Studios to the PlayStation Studios family while also explaining mobile's upcoming role in expanding its community. Although Savage is a relatively new studio established in 2020, it was co-founded by veteran mobile developers Mikhail Katkov from Rovio and Singa, Najim Adjir from Wargaming and Rovio, and Michael McManus from Wargaming and Insomniac. Holst also seemingly attempted to preempt any negativity from players that would result in the mobile developer being added to the PlayStation Studios portfolio. As we assured you before we, with our plans to bring select titles to PC, our efforts our efforts beyond console in no way diminish our commitment to the PlayStation community, nor our passion to keep making amazing single-player narrative-driven experiences. Also, share players. Our mobile gaming efforts will similarly additive, providing more ways for more people to engage with our content and striving to reach new audiences unfamiliar with PlayStation and our games. Savage Game Studios is joining a newly created PlayStation Studios mobile division, which will operate independently from our console development and focus on innovative, on-the-go experiences based on new and existing PlayStation IP. Holes also revealed that Savage is already working on a new and unannounced AAA mobile live service action game, adding, it's too early to reveal more, but I'm so excited for when they'll be able to. All right, uh, talking about the elephant in the room, she's, mm -hmm. um, so it's like obviously they're going to say a lot of those things um this sounds like they're just trying to break into it and they know that most of the people that care about them aren't going to like it so mm -hmm. they're trying to get ahead of that as as you said and quoted um uh, it's when they said that they were going to use possibly existing ip for more things that people mm -hmm. that don't know about playstation in our games that sounds like they're going to either try to port things over to mobile mm -hmm. create mobile tie-ins more just, runners yeah just trying to run through any of that stuff making whatever i don't want to say cheaply made because i'm sure they'll throw some money at it but comparatively it's going to be hey this is going to be the gateway drug for people who are not really into gaming to get into that and then they're like oh where's this character from yeah. let me go buy a playstation and that, i think that's their whole idea with this they're trying to break into a new market out of it and not only that as live service remember when they said that they were that's trying right. to publish uh, 10 live service games by 2026 sounds like this is where that's gonna be yeah this is another one because yeah. we were like speculating which ones could it be because we were trying to make the math who could be they be doing and this could add to that but i wonder if it's just added on top of what they had already announced or that was just their intent and they're just trying to making all of that come into fruition i'm really just concerned about sony's pursuit of this live service uh, market i've said it many times like the live service market is one ripe with absolute catastrophic failures it's like 
Destiny twice now had to like teeter at the edge of failure because that's the kind of that's the kind of problem pursuing that kind of game gives you. And um, yes, obviously you can say that you're reassuring us that you're still committed to amazing single player narrative driven experiences. And I'm like, yeah, until you announce more because you know the last ones that they announced are Spider Man and Wolverine. <laughs> so it's like aren't even them. So that's yeah, that's Insomniac. Yeah, exactly. No, they own um, Insomniac, so that's them. Oh, well, then, so, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. But it's like, within that, it's uh, it's like you said, they're the ones that decide and pull the trigger on these things. So it's like, of course, they can say that, but when does that change? When does yeah. that get affected by the money that they might see from yeah. something? And when these are the announcements that we keep hearing, and then we hear perpetual silence from them all the time, that's why it's very hard not to feel very apathetic towards them. Because it's like... We're only hearing that the moves that you're making are just money-making moves that completely go against the PlayStation that we know and love. It's going like in the complete opposite direction. I feel this was I was listening this from the PlayStation podcast that I listen to a lot, of the Secret Symbols podcast. He made a the main host there did a full extra episode that he does for his patrons where he interviewed a Fortnite player that has spent like two thousand hours in that game, has spent in like massive. Uh, massive amounts of money in that game and him realizing the host realizing how much his skin costs in that game and trying to make the math of how many players play Fortnite and you multiplying that amount of money and knowing that Sony is a minority stake uh, holder for Epic and then probably having gotten a taste of how much money Epic is making and be like now we want that it just feels like Sony got a got a taste of the devil and now they just want to make a deal with it and unless they finally come in swinging here's more here are all these story-based games to assuage us it's like we can remain skeptical now that they're gonna dive into the mobile market that is all about giving you that like constantly gouging it's like it's just unfortunate and uh good for them that are going to be making their money but it's, again adds to the apathy of what it feels to be like a playstation fan that we love them for a other stuff we were wanting them to make more variety of games just not go this direction so oh well. it's a variety of game that's for sure oh yes bad number four paul halfway we're, we still have a few more stories to go that we do yes um this is also sony sony and the devil tencent are buying 30 percent of elden ring studio from software from software says the investment may help it publish games globally Elden Ring Studio from Software has announced that it's selling shares to Sony and Tencent, which will result in them owning a combined 30% of the company. In an official notice published by From Software's parent company, Kadokawa Corporation, it was announced that new shares will be issued to Six Joy Hong Kong, a subsidiary of Tencent, and Sony Interactive Entertainment. According to the document, once the shares have been has have been issued, Six Joy, Six Joy will own 16.5% of From Software. And Sony will own 14.09%, with Kadokawa conti continuing to own the remaining 69.66%. Nice. In the, in the notice, Kadokawa explains that it recognizes the enhancements of capabilities for the creation, development, and deployment of game IP as one of the group's highest priorities. As such, it decided to allow from software to arrange a third-party allotment to Six Joy and Sony in order to gain extra funding that may help it publish its own games globally. 
Through the implementation of Defund Procurement, From Software will aim to proactively invest in development of more powerful game IP for itself to strengthen From Software's development capabilities and will seek to establish a framework that allows the expansion of the scope of its own publishing and the significantly growing global market, the notice states. From Software usually publishes its own games in Japan, but in other regions they're handled by other publishers. Sekiro was published by Activision, for example, while Elden Ring and Dark Souls were handled by Bandai Namco. So, From Software getting uh, an angel investment from their most played, uh, the console manufacturer where most of this game, where, where most of their games are mostly played, and also getting 15, another 15% from the devil. I mean, um, from FromSoft's perspective, this is probably the greatest thing that's ever happened to them. Mm -hmm. uh, because as they said, that, that it get, is it allows them to expand. they are getting influ uh, infused immediately into them, allows them to do so much more with their stuff, get bigger scope, do more stuff. Um, you can never say anything that From Software makes from now is going to be a niche release. No, no, not, not anymore. Anyone that no. still wants to argue about niche with From Software, sorry, it's like Elden Ring that broke. Is was like the damn broken and now having minority stakes with such huge companies like that is absolutely closing the book on that debate. yeah so i was seeing some analysis that this seems like we might be seeing what sony's strategy may be going forward as they may not have the money capital to be buying all these studios but they being able to invest stakes. yeah but buying minority stakes ensures that at least they they have a save you have daddy microsoft wanting to come and swallow someone it's like i mean imagine that kind of a threat for a smaller company like that would say all right fine if you don't do what we want we'll pull all of our shares mm -hmm. and we'll sell that and you're not going to have that kind of money anymore especially if they're in the middle of development mm -hmm. they there's a lot of companies that are just going to say yeah sure we'll do whatever you want we we need that money uh yeah. we're in the middle of all this we've hired people we need to yeah. pay them so but at the same time like look how uh, like it's not even 10 cent that's like it's like Tencent has gotten so big that they have created all these little subsidiaries to try to hide the fact that it's them. Like, uh, yeah, like, they, like they created that publisher level. Yeah, they created that level infinite publisher that we saw a bunch of those games at Keeley's yep. thing. And so many people were like, well, this seems kind of dope. But, but, but it's like, if you knew, if you knew what level infinite is, like, yeah, that's like, that's like a secret Tencent thing just lurking and like out, out in the open. And the now this six know that people don't like the name Tencent, so they have to hide it behind other names. It's just so yeah. sketchy. Exactly. And then now this six three Hong Kong thing. So it's like mm. that would always like, especially what we read with the uh, Ubisoft wanting like the Tencent wanting to increase their stake in Ubisoft. And they're like this close to like being just a certain percentage above what the Guillemot own about that company for them to like fully take over. Like slowly, it's like it's like I tell you, it's like that. I gave you that Riverdale clip. That's how I think of Tencent. That's that freaking uh, Mr. Cipher. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it's, I see why. Uh, I can imagine like from software hearing, oh, they're wanting to invest on us so we can become a more like we can self-publish our games now because they can they only self-publish in Japan and having yeah. to because just imagine if they had published Elden Ring everywhere, they would get all the money. Oh, so like right now, right now, Bandai Namco is like raking in the cash with all the money that they're with the 16.6 million units that Elden Ring has sold by June 30th. It's like, is it there? If, if they were the ones publishing, they would make it all the money on top of having done the game. So it sucks that in order to do that kind of thing, you have to do 
You have to do deal with the devil. So. That's the struggle right there. Yeah. Speaking of other devils from that country, uh, number five, Paul, uh, Quantic Dream is being acquired by NetEase. The Heavy Rain developer will be the Chinese company's first European studio. By Chris Collion, also from BGC. NetEase has agreed to acquire Quantum Dream for an undisclosed sum. In a, in a press release issued by the Chinese company, it was stated that the Paris-based studio behind such narrative games as Heavy Rain, Detroit Become Human, and Beyond Two Souls will continue to operate independently after the deal. The acquisition will mark another step in NetEase's plans for growth, most notably because it would make Quantic Dream the, ne the first NetEase studio based in Europe. The news comes in the wake of allegations of a toxic workplace culture that the studio has been struggling to shake off, as well as a recent X-Fire report which claimed the company was struggling to attract talent in the face of fear competition and that as a result of its upcoming Star Wars Eclipse will likely not be released until at least 2027. So the thing with NetEase is that uh, I don't think NetEase has the same direct, con con the direct connections to the uh, to the CCP, the Communist Party, the, the Communist Party of China. Like Tencent, like because Tencent is like directly tied to the CCP, it's still like weird. It's like yeah, not Chinese, just the Chinese are just like gobbling what's out there. It's terrifying, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I hesitate to always go that route of like a country having such a personality as um, like blaming everything wrong on a certain country, but the way that. The Chinese government controls certain individual companies and then does stuff through that. Mm -hmm. um, man, it's almost like the way America kind of overthrows yeah. governments too. <laughs> yeah, but I think um, a, a, the negative connotation with China is just the fact that it's like one of the it's like the biggest communist party that's in the world, mm -hmm. where a lot of heinous stuff happens under them, like the way were like what happened to the Uyghurs and uh, the concentration camps for Muslims that they had there that everyone knows is there what they're what they tried to do with hong kong like three years ago the only city in that entire country that's not like con controlled by that party it's like um a lot of heinous stuff happens in china and this is not at fault with the people of china it's just like the the government it's uh yeah that's a good point and it's always just kind of makes my skin crawl the way that a government tries to buy companies to buy other companies to buy other companies mm -hmm. is like there's some weird shell corporation mission impossible nonsense going on in the midst of all that and it, it makes me like it's so above my head that i'm like man i don't i don't know if i'm ever going to really experience the direct force of that but oh, boy yeah. will it affect every part of our lives mm -hmm. No, and just and just knowing that a lot of that money is blood money, almost, almost it feels like blood money. Especially like, uh, it's not just China; it's also the Saudi Arabia Foundation. There, like Saudi Arabia is also like investing in games. Saudi Arabia is even worse because it's like a, that's a country where women cannot even like look, like show their faces. They behead, like they behead gay people, Christian people, and all of that. And uh, that comes also straight from the government. And like, they bought SNK. Like the, the, the Saudi Arabia bought SNK, they invested 5% in Capcom, they gave $1 billion to Embracer, that they eventually went to then go gobble up everything that they gobbled up like a week or two ago, it's like... That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh, man. So, so it's like, yeah, it's like the, the kind of money that's flowing, like in these kinds of investments, and all many corporations not having the, the moral fortitude of 
saying no because it's money. That's what makes it money. scummy. It's, uh... So yeah, R.I.P. Quantic Dream. <laughs> yeah, I see guess how it we're goes. Not getting uh, Eclipse anytime soon, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, they haven't fixed their workplace culture that they allege is not true, but it's like the reports keep saying otherwise. Uh, no yeah. surprise, people don't want to go work there. Unfortunately, because Sorok Eclipse looked cool. So sure did. <laughs> so, oh man. Number sucks. number six, Paul. This is uh thanks to the uh, Game Informer co cover that uh, that uh, popped up yesterday. So, new God of War Ragnarok combat details and screenshots revealed. Sony Santa Monica disc discusses weapon signature moves and new shields by Tom Ivan. Uh, Sony Santa Monica Studio has revealed some of the ways in which God of War Ragnarok builds on the combat options available in its predecessor. Lead combat designer Mihir Shah told Game Informer that one of the team's internal philosophies is the idea that Kratos plays with his food. He explained, We try to create systems you want to engage with that are fun, very playful, lots of different routes. And when we looked at the combat in the last game, we were like, we can push this, we can push this further. We can find new toys and ways of playing with enemies and strategies. That's been the guiding principle more than anything else. Sheth said uh, one way the sequel does this is by introducing a whole new suite of moves for Kratos which are available via the triangle button. In 2018's God of War, pressing triangle either recalled the protagonist's axe, did nothing if it was already in his possession, or switched to the axe if Kratos had the place of chaos equipped. Ragnarok's new triangle attacks are called weapon signature moves. Kratos can now infuse his weapons with ice or fire to deal elemental attacks called Frost Awaken and Whiplash, which can freeze or incinerate enemies, respectively. Kratos can also use multiple new shields, including the Dauntless and Stonewall ones. By pairing at the last possible moment, the former can be used to unleash a smash attack that throws and stuns enemies. The Stonewall shield can be used to parry, but it absorbs kinetic energy with every hit it blocks. Once fully charged, it can be banged into the ground to release a screen-wide pulse, which knocks approaching enemies off their feet. Game Informer also provided a number of new God of War Ragnarok screenshots, which you can view at the at the VGC article. So, it's looking like God of War. Dang. Yeah, I'm looking through those screenshots right now. That is looking mighty nice. And I'm really glad that they found, I mean, in the midst of a game that is so dense like mm -hmm. that, to be able to find like, hey, you know what? We don't actually use this button all that much. Let's allow for like more freedom and more moves that you can do that doesn't make it feel like an MMO game after a while, because you know how some games are like more complexity, more complexity, mm -hmm. and then you have to open three separate weapon wheels and opening up certain yeah. skills. And, and it's so like, Sony, Sony Santa Monica's like philosophy when it comes to gameplay is pick up and play. Yeah. Like make it as as simple as it can be for, to get it, and then so I'm, I'm build so mastery excited. from there. So. And really glad that as of right now, it's still said to be coming out this year. Now here's the thing: <laughs> now that getting the Game Informer cover right now, and they're willing to give that extensive month-long preview like an IGN first. That guarantees to me that this because this they did this for 2018, and mm -hmm. with three-month lead time. In fact, uh. It was the January uh, issue of Game Informer that had like the long breakdown. And that was like the first big preview. So I wonder if they're gonna also, after this month-long preview, media will get to preview it afterwards. So kind of kind of follow a little bit of like the pattern they followed in 2018. So it's because of that fear of it probably slipping from November 9, 2022 that I'm not allowing myself to get so excited because I'm just so fearful. I'm like traumatized by all the delays we've been getting this year, so. But it's like getting this, um, not this tidbits now, it's like, makes it clear, it's like, there's nothing to hide. It's like, they're just, 
they just wanted to give you more surprises <laughs> because everyone was like, why are they so quiet? Why are they not showing gameplay? Why are they hiding? Are they afraid? Blah, blah, blah. That... It's, it's always easy to say that, but I'm glad that this is the other option between mm -hmm. silence. And that is they want to reveal things in their time mm -hmm. and to build hype in the right way, which I really respect. But granted, with the way that everything's going, it's easy to assume the other option. Exactly. It's, they it's, don't it's, have anything to show or exactly. it's not ready. Yeah, it's like and I feel it's like it did. Um, because everyone is conflating what happened to Horizon uh, with what's trying to happen here because there are a lot of people that are trying to make fun of Horizon uh, reusing certain animations and all that. There were so many people yeah. saying that Horizon Gosh, didn't... I can't believe that was a thing. Yeah, it's just, uh, so everyone's uh, kind of like conflating. That's that's why Sony's like being more quiet because they don't want to like, get that crazy, especially because a lot of people said that the when they first showed this game at the showcase in 2021, um, the one that ended with the big showcase... Uh, our first official look at the game some people were like this game doesn't look that different from uh 2018 this looks like dlc blah blah, blah. there were some people like wanting to say that not knowing how sequels work which is so stupid as like you go back to go back to like how sequels used to be it's like so there's like there, there's this weird but here's the thing it's like most of that comes from like trollish fanboys from the xbox side so ignore the <laughs> so, um number seven fall uh Assassin's Creed Mirage is reportedly set for release in spring 2023. This was the game that we knew as Assassin's Creed Rift. Yes. The game is expected to be a smaller, self-based experience set in Baghdad. Uh, according to details report, uh, posted by YouTuber Jonathan with an O in, uh, in a, uh, with a, with a zero, zero. Yeah, with a miracle zero, some of which were corroborated by Bloomberg Station Schreier, the game will take the series back to basics when it releases next year. Bloomberg first reported in February that Ubisoft was planning to release a smaller-scale stealth-focused Assassin's Creed game that is closer to the early series entries than the more recent RPG influence ones. It's so funny, this is a tangent. I was listening to the old episodes from February. I remember when this news broke halfway through a recording, and I saw the notification I got and I added the news uh, immediately. So if you go to like this Twitter from Reps Gaming that you can see in the article, he, oh, he yeah. broke it down, and it is the breakdowns that I posted in our thing. So. So the things he, the YouTuber said was, the final name would be Assassin's Creed Mirage, released in spring 2023, between April and June. The game will take place between 860 and 870 in Baghdad during the Anarchy in Samara. Uh, we will play Basim and his youth as a thief until he arrived at the Hidden Ones. Multiple cities to explore, separated by, de by a desert and rivers like the Kingdom of AC1. The game will be a return to basics with strong inspiration from the first Assassin's Creed. Several RPG elements removed, no more dialogue choices, no gender choice, obviously, and no more level system. The gameplay would be slightly different from that of Valhalla, less raw and with new animations. The eagle vision is back, but so is the drone bird. Basim will be able to use the string dagger to eliminate his opponents. There will be a visions of Loki for how Loki manifested into Basim's body and consumed him, which I think that's a... Is that spoiler like for Valhalla? A, that is a spoiler, because <laughs> I haven't seen that at all. Yeah. Um, and apparently, uh, other details they found is that Ubisoft is secretly preparing the remake of AC1 based on Rift Mirage's work. That kind of shocked me, honestly. Yeah, they will reuse a large part of the assets, and AC1 remakes should be integrated into a season pass, which will also include DLC in Constantinople when Basim meets Sigurd, and it will be released a few months later. Ubisoft will unveil the future of Assassin's Creed on September 10 during Ubisoft Forward. That's a Saturday. 
So uh, Jason Schreier uh, quote tweeted this thing. He said, a person familiar tells me parts of this new Assassin's Creed leak are true, such as the name and the other stuff Bloomberg has already reported, Spring 2023, back that back to AC Basics, and other parts are not the multiple cities one. So take a bunch of the things that that, that Jonathan said in that big list is in a grain of salt, salt but there's semi-confirmation from Jason Schreier. Uh, so what's your temperature for this uh mirage well i do like more details about it um i i like that they're more specific details mm -hmm. and i like that it's basically confirming a lot of the things that we had heard previously about mm -hmm. all of this um because it's all stuff that we want it's like a smaller uh, scale like a fan casting of your favorite movie basically where mm -hmm. it's like this is just hitting checking all those boxes similar ac1 stuff uh, smaller scope little details taking away a lot of the rpg uh, mechanics but then it's also like almost too good to be true in some ways so it's yeah. like well, it, what's it, that gonna be yeah, like? now we're in well, now we're in shut, uh, put up and shut up territory of like yeah. we've been hearing so many leaks about this thing now classic Ubisoft like there's such a leaky sheep usually, usually. Um, September 10th is so close it's like literally next week um, they gotta give, most, give us more detail how is, is it gonna look uh, I like the idea of a stripped down non-RPG version of Assassin's Creed once again because there's some fun you can have in that in that RPG style of Assassin's Creed, but with Valhalla report, like you've been playing Valhalla and you feel like you have a massive amount of game ahead of you. I am planning on probably playing it after Last of Us Part One because I'm feeling like I'm getting close to finish Saints Row and there is probably wanna... a bit of a gap between Last of Us Part One and, and whatever comes next. We'll I think see that. Gotham yeah, Knights, maybe whatever. No, Gotham Knights even further. I think there's more. We'll see the release calendar. Yeah. Uh, but it's like uh, in that gap, I may play it there because I always intended to play it there. But I just like the idea of something smaller and it feeling like it's responding to the criticism of towards the people that like the old school. It will be good to go back to that. And an AC1 remake is like Assassin's Creed 1 is the only game right now that only Xbox people can play through backwards compatibility. Yep, if you're on, if you're on, and, and, and I mentioned it to you, it's like I'm playing it on Series S with the Xbox One X enhancements and. It's it good. running at and it got a, a FPS boost and getting that resolution boost and on top of that it's like man this is so nice it would be great if not only Xbox people could play the original game because starting from the Ezio collection onwards everything is like available modernly with Syndicate broken on PS5 yeah, like with various uh, levels of completion on that ability exactly but so, it exists yeah so yeah it's like finally more details we're getting closer we're getting close to again another showcase week it feels like. I like that because it's gonna get give us more meat after so There's much a quietness. Lot going on, and it's like, man, I gotta, I gotta chill. Everybody, y'all keep throwing things at me. Lately. Yeah, no, or more like give us all these announcements earlier instead of giving them all now. <laughs> so, final story, Paul. This may be of interest for you with you recently having finished a remake of this. Hangar 13 confirms new Mafia game. Says it's a few years away. The game is rumored to be a prequel by Jordan Midler from BGC. In an interview celebrating 20 years of the franchise, the company confirmed that they're working on a new entry in the open-world crime franchise. I'm happy to confirm we've started work on an all-new Mafia project, said Hangar 13 General Manager Roman Hal Haladik. While it's, while it's a few years away and we can't share anything more right now, we're really excited to keep working on this beloved franchise and to entertain our players with new stories. The game is rumored to be a prequel according to a Kotaku report from earlier in the year. 
The last entry in the series, Mafia 3, was released to mixed reviews in 2016. A Mafia Definitive Edition, the one that you recently beat, released, saw the original 2002 game remade for modern consoles in 2020. This news follows a tough year for Hangar 13, which saw studio head Hayden Blackman leave the studio and parent company 2K. So, also just I, fun, just, just fun I, fact, Hayden Blackman, he directed The Force Unleashed 1 and 2. Oh, I didn't yeah, realize just, that. I just wanted to throw that, so. Huh. I feel um, Mafia is in this also Saints Row 2022 area of like that kind of not quite triple A but all close to double A like open world game that has a lot of good stuff and a bunch of bad stuff in it. But I think um, it, this what we've been talking about has never rung truer uh, because lately I feel like because Mafia 3 was released and a lot of people really ragged on it for its visual glitches and some of its bugs. And I was saying how I feel Those like Saints visual Row... glitches were legendary. Like the lighting completely being screwed yes. up that you couldn't see anything. That no. dust um, looking like you were in a hellscape. Oh man. Disappearing. So it's like, I feel like Saints Row for me personally has performed better than Mafia 3 did oh, at yeah. the time. And Mafia 3 still received really good overall commercial success. Um, and like like mixed mostly positive especially mm -hmm. now that the definitive editions come out yeah uh like i mean i like it has a 68 mafia 3 has 68 on metacritic yeah. so in it's that yellow, six yeah. out of ten which mm -hmm. i think is not to its detriment at all so um then like we've mentioned unless you only care about masterpieces like we talked about <laughs> yeah true um and then i revisited the original remake for the definitive edition fantastic experience once i sat down and played through that um i'm so happy the stupid level of detail for all of the vehicles and walking around the outfits and everything it was just oh pristine yeah like um, uh, mafia one being like very open world light allowed it to put it like yeah be so laser focused and given so many details it's like that's something that i really appreciate about that first game and that was how the second game was as well um so they actually added a few things i noticed there's a side quest system um after you beat the game that lets you travel around to these phone places and you unlock new vehicles and stuff and there's a whole mode that just lets you run around the world without um uh, like punishment basically you can mm. run around blow stuff up shoot stuff drive stuff and it's kind of interesting you could just basically do whatever you want in the game and not have to worry about all the yeah the thing is that mafia 3 is the only one of the three mafia games that was an actual true open world game yeah because it added a whole lot of stuff and i could see how because people were complaining that there wasn't anything to do in the first and second game so they added side things listening to people unfortunately they went a little yeah bit a little too bit far. too far because then they made um, the side stuff too uh important for the actual progression of that yeah, game and that's what grinded it tied to, into the story like you couldn't play the story until you did yeah it was part. the assassin's creed one problem of yeah uh to in order to do the story missions you needed to do that side like the side stuff of like go like listen help to different stuff. people yeah yeah, yeah Gosh, i forgot that was a thing in the first game too <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah so it, that's what i found funny when i played mafia 3 back in 2016 and be like holy crap this is like they took cues from like assassin's creed one that's like I don't know if that's a good thing, especially because the story of Mafia 3 is legitimately great. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's like, um, it's, so it's, it's so greatly written in the perspective of a black man. Yeah. It's like one of the few that does it so well. So, so that's why it's like, it's unfortunate. Like, I wish they could have patched it so you could just mainline it. Because that's a story worth That would have been nice. Yeah. Uh, I agree for sure, because I had just like you said it's it's really cool and they put so much detail into the 1960s new orleans that i was like 
there's pictures that my grandparents had that look like screenshots from the game and i love that and i mean i think i sent you all a picture of like mm -hmm. actual places that as i would drive by that yeah. were in the game that um, and red dead 2 have like those yeah. kind of places um, so. and i I've, i love those little details that they yeah. actually put the effort in so, yeah, yeah what i do what i do appreciate though is that uh remember that we talked about this like last november you can see mm -hmm. a couple paragraphs down here is like um it was claimed in November that 2K had canceled a new title from Hangar 13, codenamed Bolt. Yeah. The project had reportedly been developed in various forms since 2017. That was like that supposedly superhero game that was gonna be like a live service that they spent like 50 million on, and then they were like, Jeez. nah. So I'm glad they survived and they can get, they should have done this Mafia game much sooner. Definitely. Uh, especially with how well it sold. It's so. such a dead ringer, especially with just like put, a, put that kind of effort in and people will reward you for it i think yeah. so all right paul so that concludes the news for this lengthy news section for this week seriously and uh now we're heading into the game releases for the week of september 4th to september 10th because we're in the middle of still of september 2nd uh, with last of us part one releasing this friday don't forget to send in the you know what uh the releases for that week starting with biomutant coming the playstation 5 and xbox series x and s native version uh, coming out on September 6th, uh, Temtem, coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, Switch and PC also coming on September 6th. Uh, the Tomorrow Children Phoenix Edition coming to PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 on September 6th. This is hilarious because six years ago, that's around the time the original Tomorrow Children came out. Um, this is kind of like a redo of that game. Uh, Jack Moop coming to PC on September 8th. Steel Rising coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S and PC on September 8th. Uh, NBA 2K23 coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on September 9th. And for the Switch owners, Splatoon 3, September 9th. Get that um, out of the way so we can get out of the direct. Seriously. So. I, I, I'm shocked to know that uh, I haven't heard of the Tomorrow Children, Jack Move, or mm -hmm. Steel Rising. Um, but I know Temtem is like a shockingly good pokemon competition mm -hmm. and of course biomutant i think i was excited for before it came out and then it was like middling reviews mm -hmm. and i cooled off on it but yeah, i hope i can pick it up one day yeah biomutant uh arrangement maybe yeah um especially if it's on sale one day but uh, just like the creativity that you're allowed to create like you're basically your kung fu panda cyberpunk mm -hmm. oc yeah. <laughs> and um and then just have fun with it so yeah um good for them and i hope especially temtem continues to give pokemon some grief so they continue mm -hmm. to actually uh, improve <laughs> yeah and with that paul we conclude this week slightly more lengthier than the last couple of weeks episode of Definitely. the x bottom so where can people find you as always, y'all can find me at Dork of Art on Twitter. And every once in a while, I've been featured by um, different developers commenting on things that I post here and there, or just posting art of the things that I'm working on. Where can they find you? They can find me at uh, A underscore Dorsegobi on Twitter, at uh, Instagram at Alejandro Segobi 93. That's where I post the show. Uh, I have some of my written content on at the uh, criticalcorner.com i just finally finished the finally i'm done with the old naughty dog game so i just need to write it now so and that's it's gonna be a lot and uh i might depending on when i finish saints row maybe i'll do a review we'll see 
or maybe even for the last of us i just want to i need to get back into the habit of writing you should revisit all of the saints row games and then write a review of the series yeah definitely and maybe whenever... just skip the first one don't even worry about yeah that. it's um i might do that in another dry spell the only reason i was able to do all this was because of the summer but now we're heading into a different kind of season but yes, yeah, i definitely need to write a little bit more and uh then getting have to get into the habit of maybe wanting to do a video i've never done a video review ever i think i, I should yeah you've talked about wanting to do it yeah. for a while and it's always such a pain in the butt that i've never even bothered to try myself it is, it's because of the having to capture the because i would like to capture my own b-roll and all of that so instead of having yeah. to like pick from other stuff but we'll see so all right paul it was a pleasure we should play co-op saints row like we should try it yeah because we're um, around the same we're around the same I'm level we can make it work because we we tried and that wasn't working out for because us it was a prologue and we needed to like enter it from the very beginning for it in order to work so oh did we actually yeah. confirm that okay because mm -hmm. i wasn't sure if it was because we were sharing similar uh game licenses or something but shouldn't, uh, yeah so hopefully yeah. that works yeah let's out. give it another shot if not then we know that's a problem so that's the one and everyone else thank you so much for listening or watching the podcast uh, stay safe stay active like stay healthy the world is like still a crazy place so be good and remember press x to play good night everybody hasta luego <laughs>